Hey, welcome to Crave. This is a podcast for women who want to create a life they're craving. And my name is Kate Upanui. So if you are new to this podcast, you can find me, kateupanui.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. And what I do is I'm a coach, essentially. I help people with their health and their energy. I'm a certified coach with Martha Beck. I certified many, many years ago um, with her. And that was back in the day before there was even Zoom. We used to do calls like, um, what were they called? Like, you know, calls where a whole bunch of people would be on a call, but we actually couldn't see each other. So it would be totally different to nowadays. Um, And I'm also a master certified equus coach, which I did in the States um, with a woman called Koal Simpson. Um, And you can check out the... Equus Center now, which is a pretty amazing facility, helping more and more coaches learn how to use horses in their coaching, which is an amazing thing. So I'm master certified in that. And I'm also a registered nurse, um, but I have not been a registered nurse for many, many years since I became a life coach, really. Um, and so now what I help people with is their health and energy So I work with individuals, I work in corporate settings, and I really help people uh, fine-tune their inner world so that their outer world can match. And I do that in a variety of ways. Um, You can check out all my offerings on my website, but yeah, you can find what you're looking for there. Um, What I want to talk about today is something I've kind of been back and forth on a few times in my mind, like, do you want to talk about this? Some of it's kind of personal. Um, But you know what? I think it's really helpful. The podcasts that I love the most are when people are sharing their journey. They're, you know, like, this is where I was, this is where I am, and this is how I did it. And I really find that helpful. So, um, yeah, and what kind of brought this to a bit of a head was, I went for a walk on the weekend and I started listening to a podcast with, what was the podcast? The podcast was Rich Roll's podcast and he was interviewing Andrew, Dr. Andrew Huberman. So if you guys, like if you're a podcast listener, no doubt you know who those people are. Sometimes I talk to people and they're like, Rich Roll, no, no, don't know who that is. Andrew Huberman. And I always think, wow, like how do you not know who those people are? But My husband has no clue. He doesn't listen to any podcasts. Like Rich Roll doesn't mean anything to him. Neither does Andrew Huberman. I have to explain all of these things to my husband. And he sort of glazes over. (laughs) He's like, nah, not interested. Anyway, he's interested in his own stuff. Um, But anyway, so I was listening to an interview with these guys. It was a really interesting one. Um, I can share it in the show notes if you're interested to listen. But something kind of caught my attention halfway through the walk. And to be honest, like I actually haven't finished the episode because you guys know they're really long form interviews. They don't just chat for half an hour. They're there for like two or three hours sometimes. I don't know actually how long that particular one was, but um, anyway, I'll go back and finish it. But I something caught my attention in that interview and they were talking about an experiment that Dr. Huberman was running in his lab and it was something along the lines of fear. I don't even remember exactly what the experiment was for but what caught my attention was um, one of them said oh like 
um, you would drop them into a virtual reality with sharks and like they were imagining swimming with, or they were actually experiencing the virtual reality of swimming with sharks. And Huberman goes, oh yeah, but that, you know, interestingly, that wasn't, that didn't elicit a fear response in everyone. And I was like, uh, what? Like, hold the phone. Who, who doesn't, (laughs) what? Who doesn't have a fear response to swimming with sharks? And oh man, like I just, I found that really difficult to comprehend because I've never seen Jaws. I've purposely never seen Jaws. My mum, when I was a kid, Jaws came out and my mum was very sensitive to what sort of, like we weren't even allowed to watch Scooby-Doo when we were kids. That was considered scary watching. So Jaws was well off the table. My mum, she was a no way to Jaws. So um, we didn't watch that. And then as I got older, you know, I watched friends who had watched Jaws and not be able to swim or only be able to go knee deep in water. And I thought, nah, I don't really need to see Jaws. I'm quite happy. I love swimming. I love being in the water. I don't like, you know, I'm already, I'm already a little fearful swimming in the water. You know, when we were kids, we grew up in the Marlborough Sounds. And so we used to, you know, go boating and jump off people's boats. And I already found that, um, a little bit scary to be in deep water where you couldn't see the bottom, swimming around boats and stuff. That innately that made me feel a little bit scary. And you know, a few years ago, I can't actually remember how many years ago now, but um, I had this experience where I wanted to start. There was a group locally. They called. They were called No Wetsuit Wednesday. They still go. If you're interested, um, I can hook you up. Anybody is allowed to go. It's not exclusive. If you're interested, put your hand up, go. I highly recommend it. Um, but So there's this group. It's a very small group of people who are very committed to swimming on a Wednesday, every Wednesday, without wetsuits around a point. And if it's a bit stormy or the weather doesn't, if, you know, the waves or the currents aren't too great, then they swim somewhere else. Uh, but anyway, so where we live, they would swim around a point, sort of from shore to shore, around a point, and it would be about a kilometre swim. And for some people, a kilometre swim is not very far, uh, and for others, it's a real stretch. And so for me, I had been watching on Instagram this, I'd been watching one particular woman, um, her name was Ange Wallace, or it is Ange Wallace, she still exists, and Ange has this um yeah she had been sharing her videos and like she would take a gopro and take all these cool photos and so i just got really inspired i really wanted to do it and i messaged her and said can i please join this group can i come and she you know they were all lovely and totally inviting and so i started swimming around this point and that was definitely a stretch for me So while I'd done plenty of swimming at the beach and what have you before, I'd never really swum any length out into open water. I hadn't done triathlons or anything like that. Um, And in fact, I remember like that just popped into my head. One time when I did try and do, (laughs) one of my friends suggested we do an Ironman. (laughs) I was going to do the cycling leg of an Ironman and she was like, oh, let's go for a swim. And we were down south. I think it was Lake Wakatipu or something we went swimming in. And I freaked out. <laughs> I really freaked out swimming in that water. I just remember that. Um, but anyway, so for me, I've swum 
open like so for about a year consistently I would swim with this group about a kilometer out into ocean uh, out open water excuse me and and it, like when Huberman said oh not everybody's scared of sharks um, that kind of really caught my attention because I know I was definitely afraid of sharks um, so much so that I would really make sure that I didn't get behind in the group. I wanted to stick with the group. I made sure I could always see somebody's feet in front of me or like next to me. I was always checking. I don't know if sharks attack groups or lone swimmers. I have a feeling they're probably less likely to go for a group, but I don't actually know that. I just know that as a human being, I feel safer when there are other human beings. And I know I'm not alone in that because my husband's a surfer and if there's nobody else out, he is, well, I, he'll be like, oh, lone soldier. Oh, oh, I don't know. Like, I know he feels more comfortable when there are other people in the water with him. So, and I also know that the other group, you know, like, nobody, nobody in our group wasn't afraid of sharks. Like, you know, it was definitely in the back of my mind. So whenever I got into the water, I would always be like, oh, oh, okay, you know, like just don't think about it. Don't open that box. Don't panic. Because for me, I felt like if I started ruminating on that, I it would become unsafe for me to actually be in the open water because I could get really panicky and not be able to breathe properly. And now I'm in a really kind of dangerous situation when I need to be clear-headed and not have my nervous system activated in, in that way. Um, and I actually remember... I remember one of the girls had, um, Ange actually, had put into the group the Facebook chat that we had um, oh, quite a while ago, something like, oh guys, it's so cool, I've got this new watch so we don't need to worry about sharks anymore. And I was like, what? What kind of watch has she got? This is amazing. What? And I messaged back like, wow, does your watch, like is it, has it got sonar on it? Does it repel sharks? What is going on here? And she just messaged back, oh no, what I meant was like, if there's a shark attack, then my watch can make phone calls so we can call 111 if we need to, <laughs> if we need, you know, medical assistance really quickly. So um, yeah, that was, that didn't particularly reassure me because I kind of figured, well, you know, if we're out the back and we get shark attacked, then we're really kind of screwed at that point. Um, <laughs> I don't think a watch is going to save me. But if you are a developer of sonar watches, then you should definitely develop that because I think that I would buy one and lots of people would buy one. I'm sure somebody's already thought of that. I don't know if that would work or not. Anyway, um, where am I going with the shark stuff? So with the whole shark situation, I find it really interesting because a lot of people would talk to me about swimming. Like I, I put it on my Instagram and Facebook and what have you. And so people would often like message me or comment, you know, if, if we got talking out and about, um, you know, and people would say, oh, wow, it's so cool that you do that. And I really wish that I could do that, but I'm just so afraid of sharks. I must have heard that comment so many times and I found it really interesting because I thought I would always think well I'm scared of sharks too but I would never let that stop me swimming and, and interestingly the other day I haven't been with that I haven't been swimming with that group probably at least 18 months now just because 
I'm still part of the Facebook group, like, you know, hope springs eternal, but my lifestyle has kind of shifted a bit. I don't always um, have time to go and do that anymore. Um, but that somebody put into that group, there's this app that you can get. I think it's an app. I don't have the app, but in Tauranga, there are sharks that are tagged and named so you can kind of keep track of where they are. And so you can, as the public, you can watch where these sharks are. And somebody had like screenshotted that one of the sharks called Daisy, which I think is really sweet to name a shark Daisy. They'd put this, um, in the group chat, like, oh, Daisy's here this, you know, today, keep your eyes peeled or something. I don't know what they'd written. I was just like, oh, wow. I wonder if everybody's going to go swimming or what will happen. Um, I actually don't know if everybody went swimming or not. But the next day we were at the beach at that spot and yeah, I was like, it's fine. Like you can swim. There's always sharks in the water. And I actually have a plan for what I would do if there are sharks in the water. (laughs) I don't know if I could follow through with my plan, but I think that's helpful to have a plan. I don't like, I wouldn't recommend this plan. I don't know if it's the right plan, but it's my plan. And my plan is I watched this um, video once of a woman called Kimmy. I don't actually even know what her last name is. I think on Instagram, she's called Kimmy Swimmy. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but I watched this video of her. She was a, she is a spearfisher woman and just the most incredible videos and photos of underwater fishing and beautiful things. And anyway, one day I watched this video of her getting ready to go for a dive or a, a fish and and they're just, you know, like the, there's no tanks on their backs. It's just all free diving. And so she's got a GoPro on and somebody says to her, there's a shark behind you. She's already in the water. And so instead of freaking out and like hightailing it back to the boat, what she does is she goes, you know what? I'm a predator too. And she is, you know, she's spent many an hour in the water being a predator. And so instead of freaking out and running away from the shark, she turns towards the shark and starts swimming in kind of nose to nose. And the shark just sort of sidles off, you know, like turns and swims off to the side. And they have this, you can, you can Google it, I'll put it in the notes. Um, but you see this beautiful dance of them kind of swimming into each other and away from each other and it's not two predators facing off like I'm bigger or I'm better or anything like that it's just this curiosity and instead of her acting like prey she she greets this shark as an equal and the video is so beautiful at the end she ends up kind of um holding on to the shark's dorsal fin and kind of hitching a ride and then the shark sort of swims off and she floats to the surface. And I'm not suggesting that anybody try and catch a ride with a shark or that I would like to ride with a shark. Um, though that would be amazing. That's not my intent if I meet a shark. My intent is to recognize that I cannot outswim a shark. Like it's just not going to happen. So if I was in open water, that's my plan to try and keep my brain online and say, go towards not away from and so I was thinking about this I was thinking about so many things when when this it was like when the podcast was on and so I was thinking isn't it interesting 
that in my life, I don't know about your life, but in my life, I have a real genuine fear of sharks and yet I don't let that stop me from going in the water. I never have and I don't think I ever will. I just feel like my experience of swimming is too important to me. I love it too much to let something that could possibly happen stop me from doing it. And, you know, like I may never ever see a shark in real life. I may never ever have to make a decision about what to do in real life. So it's so important to me to swim that I, would, I wouldn't let that influence me. Um, maybe I would if I, I don't know, anyway, and, but then I got to thinking, wow, okay, so if people aren't scared of sharks, if we go back to the Huberman lab situation, if people aren't scared of sharks, what would they be putting into that experience, you know, like, what would the, um, what would the virtual reality bring up for them, and that kind of made me think about, now, what it made me think about was Harry Potter, so please don't zone out if you've heard too much about Harry Potter in your life or if you're a Harry Potter fan please don't crucify me because while I am familiar with Harry Potter and I've probably watched the movies I think about four times with kids and I did read the books when they first came out but I'm not a fan I don't know all the ins and outs I can't remember everything so but what popped to mind was when Ron two things popped to mind First of all, when Ron was faced with the boggart when he was a young wizard and what popped out, or they were all faced with boggarts, and what popped out for them, for Ron anyway, was um, a giant spider. And what popped out when he was um, older and it was, you know, a horcrux, which was, you know, if you haven't watched Harry Potter, I can't imagine that you haven't, that you're not familiar with Harry Potter, but the Horcrux was like, you know, part of um, Voldemort's soul. So Voldemort hides his soul, like fragments of his soul in different places. And so he's hidden a fragment of his soul, I think in a locket. And the locket opens up and he, when the locket opens up, what you see is your greatest fear. Whoever is facing down that Horcrux sees the greatest, um, like, Whoever's facing down the Horcrux, they're almost produced with a virtual reality or a hologram or an illusion of their greatest fear. And so what Ron sees isn't what he saw as a young wizard. He doesn't see a giant spider crawling towards him, which, yes, I would be scared of a giant spider. But he sees his deeper insecurities of um, not being valuable, not being loved, not being liked. So he kind of sees Hermione and Harry um, like talking about, I can't even remember what exactly he sees, but I think it's them talking about him or excluding him or not needing him or perhaps they were falling in love and, you know, Hermione loves Harry instead of Ron or something like that. Um, please forgive me if you're a Harry Potter fan because I'm probably butchering this but he has to defeat it he has to recognize that this fear can't control him it's not real and he has to defeat the Horcrux which is his greatest fear with the Gryffindor sword and so I got to thinking okay well if people's greatest fear like we can probably all think of you know spiders crawling all over us that would be really scary for me or snakes or all of those things still fascinates me that people don't find sharks scary but 
If it wasn't your greatest physical fear, let's put it that way, what would your greatest fear be that is probably more along the lines of your insecurities? And I have a feeling that we each have um, kind of our own Horcrux that we carry around, like parts of ourselves that we've, like our most powerful self is kind of hidden in the things that we most desire. So that might be a relationship, that might be um, a career, that might be a uh, something going on with your kids, you know, a relationship that you have with your kids, or it might be a house, or writing a book, or becoming an artist, or, you know, be specific, like it might be hiking like traveling to a certain place or I don't know buying a boat or I don't know like whatever it is that you just really feel is really 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 important to you and the way that I kind of think about this is like okay well Kate what is your deepest fear and this is the part where I feel like it's getting a little personal but I thought why not share it? Because I feel like my deepest fear is probably kind of universal in many ways. And I think one of my deepest fears is being mediocre, not getting to the end of my life, getting to 80 or 90 or even 60 or 70 and going, wow, you really didn't live. Like you really had so many opportunities, but you were too scared to take them. And so you just kind of you got through life okay, like everything was okay, but it didn't, you weren't really expansive, you didn't really go for it. And maybe that's not your deepest fear, maybe you don't, maybe you can't identify with that at all. But maybe a way to think about it would be to say, okay, imagine you get to the end of your life, what would you regret most not doing or not experiencing or not expressing or not living? And so I think for, for us, we've kind of, like for me, let me speak about me. Um, I recognized probably a couple of years ago that I had hidden this way of being really like um, being mediocre for me meant that I didn't really expand myself and my capacity in my business, in my ability to really do the things that I most want to do with people. And so that's kind of like, it's it's a little bit of a muddled metaphor, but that's kind of my Hawcocks, like that, um, that locket that I carry around. So if you can't remember in Harry Potter, like Hermione and Harry and Ron, they all take turns at carrying the locket or wearing wearing the locket, sorry. And as they wear the locket, it kind of weighs them down and makes them irritable and grumpy because the locket whispers, like it chips away at their own insecurities. And so with us, we kind of wear our own invisible lockets all the time, like my relationship, my the book that I want to write, the the art that I want to create, the business that I want to create, the parent that I want to be, whatever it is. And that kind of chips away at us all the time. And so our insecurities are being whispered inwardly to us. So 
Something that I did a while ago and listening to this interview reminded me. So I went back to my diary and I was like, okay, go and have a look at what you did here. So what I kind of, the way that I think about this is write down, what is my deepest fear? Okay, my deepest fear is wasting my life and being mediocre, being like Groundhog Day and not expanding myself in this particular way. And so when I look at, well, what do I need to do? What are the actual physical steps that I need to take in the world? They're very simple. I know exactly what they are. They're not complicated. They're not rocket science. You know, I don't need to invent anything that has never been invented before. I know exactly what I need to do. And yet taking those steps feels incredibly hard it feels like rocket science it feels so hard to do those things and so that then so okay so it feels so hard to do those things so what do you do with that so write down a list of the things that feel hard to do that you know you have to do so it might be call a certain person it might be sit down every day and write your book it might be buying art supplies it might be setting aside time to do x y or z it, whatever it is, it might be having a bigger conversation with your partner or um, I don't know, whatever it is, write down the actual steps that you know would get you to your goal and then look at why is it that I am not doing those things? What is the fear that is holding me back in those moments? And so the fear might be, so you might say, oh, I, I know I need to make a phone call to um to Sally and why am I not calling Sally well I'm scared that Sally will say and this is like what I'd written down I'm scared that Sally will say um, that they've hired somebody else that, that it's what I'm suggesting isn't a good idea that they don't like it that it's not the right time that it's too expensive that it's um, not hitting the mark that it's not what they need right now those were all the the things Okay, if she said those things, what is it within that that I'm afraid of? Oh, well, what it feels like is rejection. It feels like not being liked. It feels like not being good enough. It feels like failure. Okay, good. Now you're kind of getting a look. And so for you, take a look at like, okay, what are the steps? What am I afraid of? Like if I took that step, why am I not taking it? You're, I'm afraid of something. Somebody's going to say or do or feel or think or I'm going to look, or I'm going to feel, or do, or think, whatever. And what is it actually there? What's the feeling that I'm afraid of feeling? Which is so crazy. I'm afraid of feeling, let's say, rejected. Or I'm afraid of feeling not good enough. Or I'm afraid of feeling stupid. Or I'm afraid of feeling rejected. Okay. That's when you get to face that whole crux. And you get to go, what is it? Like... Bring your virtual reality to life. Bring it up in your imagination. Face it. Look at it. Like, what does it feel like if Sally said, that's a dumb idea, we hate it, we're definitely not going to go with you, it's ridiculous, why did you even call me? <laughs> like, let's take it to its extreme. Like, what would that actually feel like? And like, I'm laughing about it, but you know, really, really feel like what it is that you're afraid to feel. Because that feeling is what we imagine that we can't feel. 
And actually, as soon as we realize, wow, I've got the capacity to feel rejected. I've got the capacity to feel like somebody doesn't like me or like my work isn't good enough or like I'm, I've got the capacity to feel rejected. I don't, I don't love feeling like that, but I can feel like that and it's not going to destroy me. Then you get to let's play you know that's a really fun space to be in because now you go huh well I can do that you know that's when you get to take your Gryffindor sword <laughs> I'm sure it's a Gryffindor sword I knew I should probably have rewatched the movie before I launched into this but that's when you get to take action and go okay I'm going to make that phone call. I've got an excuse that says I'm not ready. Uh, wait till after Christmas. Wait till Monday. Wait till I've um, secured this first. Or wait till I've written this out. Or, you know, have this particular, I don't know, whatever. You'll have an excuse. You'll have a really good reason for not taking that action. That's when you get to just take the action anyway. And so... It's a little bit like, you know, you can look back into your life and say, wow, well, I'm scared of spiders, but that doesn't stop me going to sleep every night knowing that spiders are likely crawling across my face, as I've heard. I don't know if that's true or not. Like, you know, I'm scared of swimming with sharks, but that doesn't mean that I don't go swimming. I just go, yeah, I am scared of sharks. I'm not going to think about that. Um... You know, I recognize it, I've got a plan, and I carry on with my life. So this is a little bit like that. Like, what is it that I'm, if I've dropped myself into a virtual reality, what am I really, what is my deepest fear that would genuinely come up? And can I take a good look at that and take some action on it? Because the next step comes like, okay, well, because we've got to be realistic here. Like our nervous systems are the ones that stop us taking any action. Our nervous systems are constantly scanning our environments, saying that's life-threatening, that feels unsafe, that feels safe. They've probably got more categories than that, but let's just stick with that for the moment. Do you know, our subconscious mind is taking in about 11 million bits of information per second. Don't ask me how they track that, but that's what the science says. So 11 million bits of information per second is being tracked by our subconscious brain. So that means when my husband's wrapping his knuckles on the counter the other day and I'm thinking, oh my freaking God, stop doing that. I only need to look over at him and he glances back at me and gives me a dirty look because he feels irritated that I'm telling him what to do in my head. His nervous system catches my nervous system and feels like they're having a conversation without either one of us having said anything. Now, yes, you could say, well, that's a close relationship. You guys know each other really well and you're reading each other. But we're doing this all the time with people and animals and the environment all the time. That's what Kimmy did when she turned in towards the shark. She went, I feel your nervous system and I'm going to show you mine. I'm not prey. I'm a predator. Let me demonstrate that. And so... When your nervous system feels, um, you know, it's scanning the environment. Oh, Kate's about to make a phone call. Oh, Michelle's about to sit down and write her book. Oh, Sally's about to dip her toe into the art world. Then your, your nervous system goes, hang on a minute. <laughs> Let me scan the files for what I've got on 
um, you know, taking a risk in this particular way. And, you know, if I was to scan my files consciously and look back, I could say, oh yeah, I remember when I felt like a total idiot for putting up my hand and sharing what I thought was a really good answer and the teacher shooting me down and saying, no, you're totally wrong. What a dumb idea. I can remember, well, I can't personally remember, but, um, you know, you might remember moments where your sister was the smart one and she was like super academic and got all the all the whatevers and you always felt like the really stupid one or the not as smart one you know maybe you were the arty one and she was the smart one um you know there are moments in our lives that are shaping our nervous system all the time and our nervous system is designed to kind of keep us in balance and keep us safe and so anything that feels slightly unsafe your nervous system is going to pick up and go huh you just you know what you might want to rethink that for a minute and so that's helpful if you're thinking about swimming with sharks you know that is helpful but and that's when you get to you know reassess everything but it's doing it all the time Frankie stop doing that sorry it's my dog if you do if it's doing that for things that are um, your insecurities then it's just going to have you stuck and going around in circles for a long time Frankie come here so what can be helpful to really notice is okay imagine that I don't take any action on my goal you know imagine if I don't make the phone call imagine if I don't write the book imagine if I don't uh, become an artist or move to the country or uh become a lawyer or whatever it is that you're dreaming of and wishing and hoping for. Imagine if you don't do that. Imagine if you don't make those calls. How do you feel? And so for me, you know, if I go back and look in my journal, I was like, wow, when I don't do that, I feel frustrated. I feel like a failure. I feel inadequate. I feel restless. I feel stressed. I feel pressure. I feel caged. So it seems like we're keeping ourselves safe and regulated and everything's okay, but actually what we're dealing with is this kind of invisible Horcrux locket that we're carrying around all the time that's just chipping away at us, like making us feel yuck. It's, it, it feels horrible to carry it with us, but we kind of gloss over it with, you know, the rest of our lives like everything's okay you know I'm doing all right I'm it's not that bad like I'm pretty successful life is pretty good but we're kind of carrying this invisible locket with us all the time so when you start to look and go well if I what I'm afraid of feeling if I make a phone call or write a book or whatever it is is you know rejected I'm afraid of feeling rejected. Okay, what am I actually feeling not making the phone call? I'm feeling stressed, pressured, inadequate. Okay, well, they're both pretty shit. <laughs> like, I feel a bit shit either way. But here's, here's, this, here's the point. I feel a bit less shit if I ring up and take a step in the direction that I most want to go. And if I just stay here churning around, feeling inadequate and frustrated and pressured, I feel better having taken, like, you know, yeah, okay, imagine I make the phone call and I get rejected. Great. Like, I can deal with that feeling 
I would actually rather deal with that feeling than the feeling of sitting here churning on whatever it is that I'm churning on. I would rather feel that. And I know that I have the capacity to feel that because, well, A, I've felt rejected before in my life and I've lived. And B, I'm actually turning towards it. It's a little bit like turning towards that shark. I am going for it. Like I'm saying, hey, you know what? I know that I could feel rejected and I'm willing to feel that. I am willing to feel rejected. Now, things get a little bit tricky here, like with the whole manifestation, blah, blah, blah. People say, oh, well, you know, you don't ever want to think bad thoughts or feel bad feelings because then you're going to attract that. Actually, I disagree with that. I think that if you don't face what is there, then you're feeling it anyway. You're just not aware of it. So turning towards it and saying, I am willing to feel this and I know that I have capacity. I'm actually even willing to grow my capacity to feel this. Then your nervous system starts to go, okay, I can grow a little bit. You know, I can feel rejected and it not be terrifying. It not impact me in a terrible way. So I have two coaches. Well, they've been coaches in my life. And so one of them has the perspective of, What's the most courageous thing you could possibly do today? Go for it. Go and do that. <laughs> and the other one has the perspective of what's the teeniest, tiniest, smallest step you could take today that would be in the direction of your dreams. So Martha Beck calls them turtle steps. And I kind of think neither, both of those are right. And both of those are right for different people at different times. And so sometimes if you're taking most courageous action, most courageous action, most courageous action, you can get a little bit burnt out doing that. And sometimes if you're only taking teeny tiny steps, you can get a little bit bored of doing that. It's not enough. So it's about each individual recognizing where they are and what is the step today. You know, is it a turtle step or is it your most courageous step? The most important thing is that that is that you do take a step and so that becomes you know if we like you know harping on a little bit about this metaphor like that's your Gryffindor sword I really hope it was the Gryffindor sword that that Ron used I'm pretty sure it was Um, but that's your Gryffindor sword is taking action that's what starts to kind of break down that fear it's doing something and so What is it that you could be doing? So I'm going to put together a a worksheet that you'll be able to download on my website. I'll put the notes to that in the, I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Um, So you can grab that and just go through this for yourself. Because it's actually really helpful to go, well, (laughs) kind of like, either way I'm screwed. So I might as well be screwed in the best way than the worst way of getting to the end of my life and going, wow, wow, I I spent, you know, 40 years feeling like shit because I didn't do anything. And I could have spent 40 years feeling like shit because I did do something. And look where that got me. Look how expanded and creative and beautiful my life was because I took actions that grew me in all kinds of different ways rather than no action that didn't grow me And I lived a very safe, mediocre life. 
and that's just my personal view for myself um, that's I'm not trying to put anything on you but I'm sharing my own experience and my own perspective in case it resonates for you in case you go wow yeah I don't want to get to 80 and go I didn't actually live I didn't actually do that thing that was really really important to me or really you know that that I wish that I'd done um so you know there's all kinds of ways to live I was talking with a friend this morning about country calendar if you don't live in New Zealand you probably don't know what country calendar is it's a kid it's a show that you watch with your parents when you're a kid and you hate it when you're a kid you're like this is the most boring show I could ever imagine and then as an adult you live for Sunday night seven o'clock country calendar because it's just so good you're like oh my god I want to be a farmer and grow flowers I want to be a farmer that you know lives in the high country and rides her horse every day I want to be a farmer that comes up with this new amazing way to grow seedlings and and sheep things or whatever like there's so many cool things on country calendar and so it always makes me reassess my life but and we were talking about how we both (laughs) we both share that experience of wow I want to do that that would be an amazing way to live But it is so important to reassess how do I want to live? Am I living in a way that really, you know, I'm going to be so grateful for when I'm 80? Or am I living in a way that is just kind of getting through life? That's how I think about it. And and if you think about it that way, if you feel like, well, I don't want to just get through life anymore. I want to actually create what I crave go ahead and download the worksheet or shoot me an email and we can set up some time to talk. All right, chickies, have a great day and we'll see you soon. Bye.